Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! Welcome in, Tuesday edition, Three News with a View. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. It's chilly out there, folks. Uh, dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? Doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And regular special guest dude on Tuesday, favorite son of Columbia, uh, Ron Hart. How are you? Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving soon. Happy Thanksgiving soon to you, Ron Hart. All right, folks. Let's see, Ron. Have I got it right? That um, is it. Uh, let's see. Train leaving the station. Is that the latest? Yellowstone. Yellowstone echoes the important message of Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, to take them all to the train station. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you watch Yellowstone, sixteen million people do this top watch show on TV right now. I would encourage people to watch it. It's really kind of has a lot of the echoes of Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand's you know classic novel about independence the american way and you know, you know just basically doing your doing your own thing and and prospering and and not being messed with by the government and people that want to take your land and take your stuff so it's a it's a great theme it's closeted and you know within the way T- taylor sheridan writes things which is kind of gritty and perhaps violent at times because they kind of run out of people to kill in that town but yeah <laughs> But it's a, it's well written, and Beth Dutton has become a bit of a folk hero. She's this tough woman, not a victim, and uh, she's uh, uh, you know a little bit like uh, Dagny Taggart, if you will, in Atlas Shrugged, and and uh, it's just a, a protagonist in that uh, in that novel. So I just likened it to uh, to Atlas Shrugged, and in a time, and I think it's the first one to do that. Actually, I googled it; no one else had written an article on that on that in that space. So. It's got some, uh, you know, some reprints and you know some libertarian following. So it's been it was fun. It's fun article to do. Maybe not as funny as most, but uh, parts of it are kind of funny. Yeah, I love your description though. Um, yeah, actually, and- I googled it. No one else had written an article on that on that in that space. So it's got some, uh, you know, some reprints and you know some libertarian following. So it's been it was fun. It's fun article to do. Maybe not as funny as most, but uh, parts of it are kind of funny. Yeah, I love your description, though. Um, yeah, actually, and, I Googled it. No one else had written an article that, on that. Some kind of loop here, folks. Where's the loop? Yeah. You know, some, some libertarian following. So it's been, it was fun. It's a fun article to do. Maybe not as funny as most, but um, parts of it are kind of funny. All right. Yeah. We're in some kind of loop. We'll get out of it in a minute. Actually, yeah, you go. He. Yeah, we got I think you muted Kennedy broadcast in there. There you go. We, we'll get we'll get it straight here in a second. All right, Ron, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, we're back. Okay, I think we're back. All right, good deal. All right, we've got another very special guest, though Lee Maddox, um, spokesperson and uh, uh, 
for Tennessee Farm Bureau. Lee, how you doing this morning? Doing good, Dale. How about you all? Uh, we're doing okay. I hear that uh, you've been out and about talking about the price of food as Thanksgiving approaches. Um, what what observations can you give us on that? Well, yeah, we all know that uh, going to the grocery store, it's uh, been a lot different, uh, a lot, lot more, uh, I, a lot more uh, pricey when you go to the grocery store these days. And the American Farm Bureau has been doing a survey for, I think this is the 37th year. And, uh, you know, doing a survey, a market basket survey, if you will, if you will, of, uh, what, what it would cost for an average of 10 folks, uh, 10 people to have Thanksgiving dinner, you know, with turkey and dressing and, uh, you know, all the fixings. And they, they came up th- this year's price was like 20% higher than it was a year ago for an average of 10 for 60, just over $64. So less than 650 a, a piece. For, you know, a person. So it's still a, a great deal, but obviously uh, a really increased price of all of our groceries this year because of inflation, supply chains, the you, you name it, the war in Ukraine, uh, fuel prices, everything is up, as we all know. So, but it's still an affordable, you know, affordable food supply here in America. That's what we're, we should be thankful for that. Yes, I think you're right. And Lee, one thing strikes me, of course, you know, my son's a farmer. And, you know, I don't know where this 20% extra is going, but it's my firm impression it's not going to the farmer. There's no doubt that only like eight cents out of every dollar go to the farmer. The rest of it's going for all that other stuff, processing, you know, packaging, uh, of course, transportation with fuel prices the way they've been. Uh, you know, farmers, you know, like your son, you're paying twice in fuel, fuel prices. You're paying, uh, three times. It's tri- the fertilizer prices have tripled in, in the past year. So it's just, uh, it's been tough on our farmers. And then you throw in the drought and stuff that we've had to deal with all year. Uh, it's been a tough year for our farmers, but again, uh, they're thankful they got a better crop in this year for the most part across the state than what they were anticipating. So, uh, they're thankful going in and, and for the most of them, they've got harvest done, you know, before Thanksgiving because of and had any had much rain to keep them out of the fields to get everything harvested. So yes. some of us talk about how expensive a truck is to drive these days with diesel fuel being up. But the, the most expensive thing to drive these days, in my view, is a shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> and no doubt, no doubt. It trickles down. Miss York, you got uh, Clayton? You all got questions? We got the Farm Bureau on the line now. <laughs> well, well uh, how is that? How's the Mississippi River thing? I know a lot of farmers, like you say, Lee, uh, harvested harvested their crops, had trucks waiting to put on put the, the product on barges, and the Mississippi is still dry. Uh, is it moving better now? Or what's going on with that? Yeah. From what I understand, it is moving better. the The water is coming back up, and that that's that's a big thing. But you're right that that was a critical here a month or so ago. Uh, we saw all the pictures on the news uh, there in Memphis and all up and down the river. You know, folks are finding relics that, you know, along the banks of the Mississippi that, uh, uh, you, you know, hadn't been shown uh, in years. Uh, I mean, ever. And right. so, Delk, you know, Delk when he was in Memphis. 
Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Record low water on that Mississippi, but it is coming back up. And, and folks just do not realize what an important transportation highway that Mississippi River is, not just for our farmers, but for all of business of America. I mean, it's the, it's the most important, uh, transportation waterway really in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's it, good to see the water coming back up. Yeah, it is. I mean, at, at least from my observation or what I've always read is it, it uh, you know, two things that we're talking about here, uh, it, it affects the price of food and that the Mississippi River carries uh, a tremendous amount of bulk agricultural products like corn, soybeans, that kind of thing. And it also uh, transports fuel, uh, both of which factor into the price of food. And, and uh, so if the Mississippi is, is dry and those things can't move, then they become short and the price goes up. You know, yeah, hopefully everybody's going to realize, uh, that, you know, we, 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 we do a little video work here as well and, and share that uh, as much as we can on social media and, of course, RFD TV. But uh, I was over there, like I said, a month ago, and uh, it, it was it, it's pretty it's pretty dramatic looking at those bank the river banks and uh you know how far down they've gone and and then to see uh our farmers not not sure what they were going to do a couple of uh, elevators over there well a lot of elevators over there were just piling up corn on the outside on on ground piles they call it and uh that's just not something you 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 typically would see because typically they would be uh well it's when the soybean harvest came in and so they're they're wanting to move the soybean harvest really down the river for exports for the most part and uh they were having to make room in those grain bins to to you know put soybeans there and they were piling up corn on the outside so it's been a it's been a tough fall for for agriculture for sure up and down the mississippi and hopefully again with that water coming back up we'll we'll get back to some normalcy but it's still going to take a while and that's the that's the concern is next spring now because you know farmers are already looking at next spring what they're going to how they're going to be uh planting what they're going to plant and they're concerned about getting fuel and fertilizer and seeds uh seed back into the farm so Mm -hmm. uh, that waterway is a is a vital transportation yes it is as as is the tennessee in this part of the country all right uh lee maddox with tennessee farm bureau yes the price of uh, a basket of thanksgiving groceries has gone up but still relative to the rest of the world uh it's still quite affordable our food supply is still plentiful and relatively inexpensive so yeah lowest food supply in the world lowest cost uh for any country in the world as our food supply here we're blessed Uh, and we need to never forget that uh our food security in this country is just like it, it it is our national security you know it's just like our military we got to have a strong military we got to have a strong agricultural base here in this country that we don't want to depend on somebody else to to get our food here so uh it's 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 a vital part of our national security and we should all be thankful for our farmers i know our farmers are thankful to be doing what they're doing to uh especially this time of year as they you know are bringing in the harvest and and uh uh but 
but concerned about the future. Well, you know, less than less than two percent of our populations involved in agriculture production, and we we don't need to forget ever forget how important that less than two percent of our population is. They're very productive. It used to be agrarian society back in the day. It was like 50, 60, 70 percent, right? So most of that's out of efficiencies and people moving to the cities, et cetera. So corporate farming is a big factor. What percent of your customers at Farm Bureau are, are actual farmers? Uh, so, say that again? What percent of your customers, clients at Farm Bureau, the Farm Bureau are actually farmers? I think, I mean, you members, right, I guess. Members, whatever you call it, yeah. Well, we, we like to say that uh, just about all of them, uh, uh, you know, there's, like I said, less than 2% of the population is involved in agriculture, and, and we feel pretty strong here in Tennessee that uh, uh, most of uh, our farmers across the state are our members of the Tennessee Farm Bureau. You know, we're... we're yes, they are. We're a, uh, you know, a voluntary organization you know nonprofit on the federation side uh the insurance is a whole different category here to to have insurance you you have to be a member and we take advantage uh, of that by having membership to be able to share that story of agriculture to them uh, as much as we can through some of our publications and uh to let them know how important our farmers are and and uh, we're getting ready we're we're a couple of weeks away from our state convention so we'll all the uh, farmers from all 95 counties will be gathering in franklin here for the 101st uh farm bureau convention and uh they'll they'll decide policy that'll guide us for the next year you know what we're what we stand for and what we are against and um you know but i, I really think that the the most of the farmers here in Tennessee think of Farm Bureau as their voice, and uh, so they become members. And Lee, that's my experience, at least, you know, the farmers I know, including my son. Uh, Tennessee Farm Bureau, f- folks, an amazing story, and an amazing good neighbor here in Columbia, Tennessee, their state yeah. headquarters. I might quickly say, Mr. Uh, Lancaster, Joe Lancaster, my junior year, my parents' uh, dad was transferred with the railroad to Memphis. And I lived with them. They were super nice, the Lancasters over there. Uh, and uh, Joe Lancaster and Ed, you know, the family. So I just finished my senior year living with Mr. Lancaster. They were they were kind, very good people. And both- He was here when I came in, in uh, 1994 and just uh, uh, welcomed me into the to the family and uh i thank the world of them and you have to go to church with ed so uh and, and enjoy enjoy the lancaster family for sure yeah, they've been icons good. in farm bureau in the in the movement of farm bureau yeah father yeah. and sons both spent careers there all right folks yeah. lee thanks for joining us tennessee farm bureau thank you for all you do uh we will be back on the other side
Parks Motor Sales in Columbia has a large assortment of quality new and pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, a trusted sales staff, and financing plans that fit any budget. Visit Parks once and you'll quickly discover why people all over Middle Tennessee have been buying vehicles there for more than 60 years. And factory-certified technicians can service and repair your vehicle as long as you own it. Go to ParksMotorSales.com or stop by the lot at 919 Nashville Highway and take a test drive today. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. A while back, I told you a story about Packer, our mascot, that Don found in the garbage truck after someone had thrown her out. Well, since then, I've been asked several times about Packer. Is she a dog or is she a cat? I guess I never thought to say, but she's a pit bull mix. And you can see a picture of her sitting in the driver's seat of Don's service truck on our website, garbagemaninc.com. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Serving Murray County for 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has provided the highest quality jewelry at the very best prices. They work hard to make their customers happy, and it's paid off. Their customers keep going back. Quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. We offer jewelry loans up to $4,500, and we will buy your gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still the same. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hi, this is Dr. Wendy Tui from the Dr. Gill Center. Are you suffering from knee pain despite trying usual medications and injections? If this is you, I have great news. Most common causes of knee pain are degeneration due to aging, injury, or repeated stress. In our office, we offer decompression for the knee, which increases range of motion and decreases pain in arthritic and degenerative knees. Studies have shown that this type of mechanical traction can be more effective than conventional methods alone. Initial exam and x-rays, $39. Call mepainfree.com or 615-551-9224. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy.
Okay, we are back. Three dudes with a view. My name is Delp Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? I'm doing well, Delp. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Dale. Good morning, everybody. Regular special guest dude on Sunday's favorite son of Columbia, Ron. Oh, no, on Tuesdays. Wait a minute. Tuesday, yeah. me. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. We don't want Sunday. Now. Yeah, we don't want to do a Sunday show. Yeah. Tuesday. Ron Hart. How are you, man? Good morning. Good morning. And we still have a very special guest on with us, Lee Maddox, uh, with Tennessee Farm Bureau. Lee, what's what's going on? Good morning. Good to good to be with y'all, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Now, uh, is there anything else that we ought to discuss about? Uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Food comes to mind. Farmers come to mind. Um, is there anything else we should discuss about uh, farms and food at this point? Well, I just wanted to uh, I, I point out a couple of things. Uh, you know, it's important. We, we, we said this, uh, the average classic Thanksgiving meal for 10 is, uh, is kind of priced at $64 and five cents. That's up $10 and 74 cents from, from last year's average of 5331. So a 20% increase that we're seeing this year. But, you know, we've been seeing the, 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 inflation costs uh, in everything just about that that we do so uh the, the biggest increase is the centerpiece on our thanksgiving tables the turkey it costs more than last year at at uh $28.96 for a 16 pound bird that's a dollar 81 a pound that's up 21% and the the reason we're thinking all of this or what the economists are believe you know it's the general price inflation is the biggest part of the increase for our cost of the meal uh inflation's running 7 to 9% in recent months uh you know taking from our from consumers and farmers you know because farmers are consumers as well they're they're right. buying these these things at the grocery store and right uh, so it's the, the war in ukraine there's there's a whole lot of reasons for uh the increase but you know again we still enjoy one of the most affordable food supplies in the world that meal we're talking about for you know for most of us on thursday it's under six dollars and fifty cents per person. So for a family of ten, that's that's still a, a quite a bargain. And uh, again, thankful for what what our farmers do on a daily basis, especially your son and and uh, all the other farmers here in Murray County and across the state, across the country. You know, there's just nobody can out out farm outdo out produce what our farmers do in america so we're we're especially thankful for our farmers yes the most affordable secure food supply in the world and uh the thing is you can go to other parts of the world where the food supply europe for instance uh they still remember the second world war and and uh they didn't have any food after the war and uh they're we, I think we take we Americans take plentiful, affordable food for granted. Uh, Europe, other parts of the world where it's not always been so, they do not take plentiful, affordable food for granted, not at all. Uh, so uh, we we should recognize that we're blessed. Is I guess is my message, Mister York. You got something? Yeah, Lee. Uh, what in 
recently uh, or in the last couple of years there's been a uh, an advent of digital agriculture how many of the farmers in Tennessee are really using that digital ag- agriculture and I know broadband will probably help that effort also putting uh, internet out in the rural areas well I think uh, you know uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the percentage would be when you say digital agriculture. You know, for years we've had GPS technology where, uh, farmers are able to use that technology to help them plant, to help them to, to spray. And then, of course, uh, they have these yield monitors that tell them, uh, when they do harvest their crops, you know, what, what part of the field is, uh, is better than others. And, and obviously, but even before that, I'll tell you what, you know, what part of a field needs more fertilizer or what needs less. So I, I think there's, there's been a lot of adoption of that over the years. And we know that it's only going to get even stronger, uh, for, you know, it, it, it is an expensive technology you know for, for the most part because they have sometimes retrofit some of these tractors and of course the newer tractors come with it already so uh i, I think that you know the adoption rate is you know for you to be successful and stay in this business and compete on the you know of course we're in a global market uh, we our farmers are so good at what they do that uh you know they're not just feeding our country they're feeding the world so um uh, for them to stay in the business and to stay successful to stay profitable you know it's a business you know farming's a business you gotta you gotta be you gotta have some profit to be able to to stay in business so i think they're gonna adopt it uh more and more as we go forward and it's gonna be hopefully you know less expensive to to get involved in what you're calling digital agriculture, but uh, I, th- I think we have a good. Uh, it, the the technology is unbelievable. You know, when you see tractors that can can drive by themselves, they can they can harvest by themselves. These auto steer tractors that we see, uh, a pinpoint uh, within inches. You know where to where to place a seed in the ground. You know, that, that's, it's amazing technology to me. And we're just going to see that increase even more as we go forward. Yeah. And uh, Lee, it's not just, uh, crop farming where probably digital first came on, but, uh, my, again, my son, you know, is a, is a cattle and sheep farmer. And of course, it used to be that every cattle farmer carried his little book where he would go out into the field and he would make notes as to each cow and whether she had had a calf and what kind of calf and so forth, body condition, so forth and so on. Now, Mr. York, it's all on the, I mean, and yes, rural broadband is very important. Uh, They just go out, they go out there with their cell phones and will either put the cow's tag number in or scan the tag electronically and then everything about that information about that cow just automatically comes up uh when she first came on the farm how many calves she's had and when uh how successful she was raising a calf what her body condition has been uh at various times when they've observed her and put in notes and then that's all immediately shared where those who are working with my son can get the same information on their cell phones. And uh, it's uh, it's 
truly it's increased the efficiency of livestock farming uh it, it's helped them to uh, one thing i i would uh you, you guys need to get kevin thompson on here when you can uh he's at the middle tennessee research and oh, education yeah. I know Kevin. just up the road in spring hill and they now have the hickman precision agriculture center there in place and that's exactly what it's designed to do it's improving uh technology for the livestock sector you know for it, it's it's definitely uh, a, a game changer. The the research that they're doing right here in our backyard or front yard, whatever you want to call it, right up here in Spring Hill at uh, at the experiment stations, just in some incredible technology that they are. You know, it's expensive right now, and hopefully, you know, they're they're researching it to see how it can be, you know, used on a, a regular, you know, a cow calf farm or. Uh, you know, even poultry as well. So, uh, th- there's some amazing technology that's, uh, that's coming forward and it's, it's being researched right here at, uh, the at Middle Tennessee Research and Education Center in Spring Hill. So, and that's, they, they named that after Mr. Wayman Hickman and because of his support, uh, the, the Hickman Precision Agriculture Technology Unit. It's a it's a pretty neat thing, and I would encourage you to. We need to we we need to talk more about this and yeah. and how it's going to benefit farmers everywhere. Kevin, I know Kevin Thompson. He's a great farmer, a great person, and that is interestingly. That's we'll pursue that. Lee, I was going to ask you: Are there any farmers in Tennessee engaging in insect farming? We got a worm farmer. Well, bees. I mean, bees, yeah. obviously, the bees are the most important insect, I think, that we have. And they've, they've had a, they've, but we've been struggling for, for years with, uh, you know, the, the kill off of, that we get on our bees every year. So, uh, uh, as far as some other insects, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but, uh, I looked at a piece in Africa where they're using their insect farm and they're using to give protein to pigs, uh, goats, fish, uh, to and chickens to to raise chickens. You know, on a mass level. Yeah, I could see where that would be beneficial. Now there is a <laughs> there is a worm farm, one of the world's largest worm farms in Grundy County. If y'all didn't know that, it's, I, it's, I'm, I've been there. It's incredible to see what this fellow from France, he came in, he, he moved to Georgia, and then he moved up here to, to Tennessee over 20 years ago, and and, uh, and he built this thing himself. It's it's an incredible uh, facility of, of growing these worms that uh, are used, you know, you, they, they use them for, obviously, for uh, for fishing. Uh, sell sell those worms to Walmarts and all these other bait shops all over the country, and and then the castings that they leave behind are used in uh, uh, you know nursery the nursery industry. So, but as far as some other insect farmers, I'm I'm not aware of any. Now I'm I'm sure there are. I, uh, I got a lot of mosquitoes at my place. And thankfully, <laughs> I, I don't right now. I wish somebody would do something about getting rid of the mosquitoes. Well, Lee, we always love having you on to talk farming, and we will pursue that thing with Kevin Thompson. And listen, your new president's name—I can't remember. Clay, Eric, Eric Mayberry. Well, Eric boy, Mayberry I'm way off. Eric Mayberry. County. 
All right. I he, want, he he came in at the first of the year, and I wanted to give him time to get settled. But uh, let's get together and get Mr. Mayberry on for uh, Farm Bureau at some point when it's convenient. And no doubt. And I just wanted to. I need a shout out to Clayton there. Uh, uh, yesterday, uh, I was listening to you all, and y'all were sounded like it was a. Uh, uh, you were the, the the Tennessee Vols were just going down the tubes and and uh, <laughs> oh I, I knew I this was going to come up. <laughs> I'd, I'd uh, take Kiffin's gone from um, Kiffin's gone from Ole Miss. I'm hearing for sure. Oh wow, <laughs> Auburn. Yeah. Well, he, he came out last night, uh, Ron, and, and said that it wasn't true. Uh, well, by really? I know a board member very very well. I think he's gone. He's getting married too. But uh, that's just what the board the board member told me. Wow. And he said good riddance. And he, he left a lot in his way because I always do that. And I, I give him give him the benefit of that doubt because, you know, that, when you leave, you know, they always yell at you out the door. But, um, um, yeah. Well, he's got he's so, got the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving Day between uh, yeah, he can't, Ole Miss Yeah, he can't State. do anything before that officially. And the guy in Memphis is the guy that, who's the godfather of all this, Jimmy Sexton. Oh, he, yes. He, the agent for all the coaches. He says that's the price and the you know supply and demand, et cetera. So, but anyway, I'm hearing that pretty pretty. If we're going to talk sports for a second, I'm hearing that pretty pretty from a pretty good source. Well, you may not know that Lee is. I mean, his blood runs deep orange, uh, but uh, it, it's not been a good week for the big orange. No, no, but it's been a good year. Championship it has. It has. We really worried about and, been a good year. Year. and this weekend was, you're going to run. Yeah. In this week, the weekend, Vanderbilt. UT, the, the oranges are going to run head on into my alma mater, Vanderbilt. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be up there. I'm going to go to a tailgate party. I think that Boone Lancaster's having. I'm going to be up there in that in the fray. All Vanderbilt's right. got a good little vibe going on. They won a couple, right? Beat Kentucky, and they got a little vibe going they, on right they now. They win Saturday. They're in a bowl. Look at that. Yep. All right. We win Saturday for sure, the Vols, and we'll be in a good bowl, too. So Absolutely. Ten and two is, uh, has been a been a heck of a year when nobody ever dreamed. Yeah. They're going to be happy with I, it. I did. Let's, 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 let's go back here. I, I I think we win every game. Well, I, I, I predicted ten and two. I just had them losing to Alabama and Georgia, not Georgia and South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, Lee, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to go back to some of our traditional topics that – uh, go back to yelling at each other. Yeah, go back to yelling at each other, which I, you, you're welcome to participate, but I suspect probably that that's not, yeah, not what Farm Bureau wants to do. And uh, Thank you all for having me on. Go, uh, go Vols, <laughs> and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Same right. to you. Same to you. Go Tigers. This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. It's time to put a Dodge in your garage. And at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us for all the muscle you need. We have a huge inventory to choose from, from the spine-tingling 2021 Dodge Charger SRT to the 2021 Dodge Challenger Superstock. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Yep, at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, we're flexing our Motor City muscle. You can count on us online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. 
Guess what, Mr. Tillis? Not too long ago, you were saying it was too early to start Christmas shopping. But now is the perfect time, and we've been working on finding a great collection of jewelry for everyone from vintage, modern, and custom designs. What about engagement rings for a Christmas or New Year's proposal? Ah, yes. We have both vintage and modern styles, all unique to show the perfect symbol of love. Tillis Jewelry, serving you in two locations, downtown Columbia and Lewisburg. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater and make zero payments for 12 months. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. Okay, we are back. Three dudes with a view, Tuesday edition. I am dude number three, Delp Kennedy. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? I'm doing well, Delp. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And let's see, Ron Hart, are you still there? He's. Yeah. Hey, Dale, I've got a little bit more school news for you if you want to hear it. Sure. Go ahead, Mr. York. Uh, Jack uh, texted me yesterday about the. I asked him to give me the vacancies in the Murray County school system. The total number of vacancies is 67, according to his last count. That's out uh, of uh, what? Uh, what eight nine hundred teachers is that somewhere in that yeah range? something like that uh, thirty four certified job openings twenty four teachers seven in interventions two school psychologists and one counselor and then he gave me uh, twenty four classified positions one administrative position eight coaching positions available for a total of sixty seven open jobs in Murray County right now so we're in a we're in a little bit worse state than we were last year under the last uh, superintendent. Okay. Well, it's uh, no vacancy, I th- think, is a good vacancy. Uh, and there we are, and we're still somehow in, in ex- well, well, I don't think this is just a Murray County problem. No, it's no, not. No, it's not just Murray County. It, it's all over. 
Yeah. All over the nation, really. I think part of the problem is these these, these kids are a little unruly and they're not they're no longer backed by the administration. They're, there's not strong discipline, and you know teachers don't feel like they get back. These kids take a swing at them, and I just I just think there's a little bit of un, you know scaredness among people wanting to be teachers, certainly at the junior high and high school level. That's just a small percentage, Ron. And, and you know you when I was on small the school board. When I was on the school board, people used to rail about the, the bad kids in school, and it's probably two or three kids in the whole school that's bad, not not, not a big number, that cause all of mayhem. So yeah, most but kids are really good kids. Right now. It's hard, hard to get them out of school, and, and I think the teachers just feel a little bit unsafe. There's a reason for this, Mr. York. It's not, you, gotta, you can't just say, hey, this is Yeah, there's kid. a reason. It's called money. Yeah. Well, it's called money. Teacher not gonna go do a thirty five thousand dollar job when they can make sixty five and not know anything about what they're doing in a training program. Well, it's like Tom Price was saying on the news this morning. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about, of that Clyde. about DCS. I mean, you get a four, Department of Children's Services, a yeah. four year degree, and you come out making thirty grand a year. Who wants to, what, who's going to do that? I thought Tom said it was forty. But. I thought I thought he said it was thirty. We, but no, even it's, it's twenty seven. The starting salary is twenty seven, and they're talking about that now on the state level. Yeah, no they wonder they got to move it to forty five. No wonder they can't hire anybody. I mean, who, who can make that and live here now? You, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just. Especially if you had student loan debt. I mean, that's just $27,000. Well, but, Ron, to echo what you're saying, I mean, I, I don't think things have changed. Uh, the, um, um, I mean, I, I used to prosecute. Yeah, it's part of that in the backing. There's just a whole unruly system with all the PC and carefulness you have to be with. There's no more, you know, uh, teachers that uh, – who was that vice principal when I was there? He was – he was feared. I mean, it was like paddling. It was so like there was more discipline back then. I mean, you you know, if you were bad, you were going to get get it back. Now they call you. There's nothing much you can do with. It. And teachers are the are the culprits, not the not the students. And they're you know, well, they they in their, Ron, they they suspend you and they send you home like that's a punishment. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I had a case one time where you know the kid just reared back and announced to the whole classroom. I want to take a vacation. Turned around and just TKO'd the girl next to him. And you know, you know how you fix it. You bring Saturday school back, and you make it mandatory. If you get in trouble, you got to go to Saturday school and ruin somebody's Saturday. If they don't show, I'd have the parent and the student be summoned to court, juvenile court. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, that is how you fix it. Yeah, but that's why we got six hundred kids in foster care too, Clayton. You don't have parenting anymore. It's like the police. The reason the police aren't as effective is the, the mayor in some towns, and I don't know what's like in Columbia, but the mayor doesn't have their back, and they know they don't have their back like Atlanta. As a result, they, they're, they're, they're very tepid in their police enforcement, which the criminals, you know, when the, the police back, the criminals step up. And it's the problem. Same thing with the system. I think we're in a world right now where so many rights given to people, these little, and, and, and teachers have so much downside. But speaking of thirty, the thirty thousand is more like forty thousand. They, don't they work nine months out of the year versus twelve? Is that still the number? You got to add thirty three percent of their salary if you annualize it. Uh, I think I, that's close. Well, no, wait a minute. Are we talking about DCS workers or teachers? Teachers, or te- teachers. Well, say teachers are making thirty Depart- to start. That's really services. like forty. Because you, you, don't you have three months off in the summer? Yeah, well, well, let me. Two let in me the summer. I'm not sure you let still me, have that. Let me know. rephrase that a little bit. Uh, people say we have the you know, former teacher, coach, and stuff. Uh, we have two months in the summer without students. 
or you know two and a half months without students you and, have all and, June off and, and stuff but uh you know there's still a lot of work going on with the teachers there's a lot of yeah. uh there's a lot of training seminars there's a lot of stuff going on in that regard yes it's a much it's a much looser schedule you know they're not necessarily tied and and that is the time for the vacations and, and stuff like that but there is still a lot of work going on uh, with with teachers uh, especially those that are, are are dedicated to their craft well about improving what they're doing and those those workshops are mandatory a lot right? of them are yes yeah a lot of them are well, isn't necessary in the coach, middle of the coach, summer coach mike lyle folks is on board these workshops I, I hear the word workshops or seminars and i i, I know they're usually just nothing are they really important, Mike? Uh, in, in a lot of regards, yes. You know, they're they're like any other profession. They have their fluff and and, and stuff like that. But there are still quite a few things that that, that are are covered in there. Anywhere from the latest classroom management techniques to different ways of teaching, you know, your your particular subject or new information on the subject. But uh, uh, they're not nearly as as big a fluff as a lot of people accuse them of being. Yes, they are. I've been to you know I, I've been to you know some, some of the hardest working seminars I've ever been to been coaching clinics i mean i was i was in class from uh, you know from eight in the morning to about eight in the evening and, and stuff that'd be different yeah. uh but then there was also i was in english uh, and, you know i was an english teacher and i was in english seminars where we did we had a, a similar schedule and we were talking about writing techniques and we were writing you know talking about teaching and different methods of teaching grammar and incorporating it into the writing techniques and uh and stuff like that so um yeah, uh, yes, it, it's a different schedule. Workshop, I, it just sounds like to me it may be a indoctrination rather than teaching. Maybe something you could thin out and give teachers more time to actually teach. No, but I'm I, trying I to help a teacher understand yeah. the, the issues that exist in, in classrooms day to day and try to help them de- develop skills on how to deal with those issues. Well, one thing's for sure, in my, in my opinion, uh, you know, as far as teachers and DC Department of Children's Services workers, D- DCS workers are concerned, uh, the pay is inadequate for the job. Uh, that is definitely a problem. I think Ron's point. You know, I used to prosecute in juvenile court, and that's that's been thirty years ago. But I don't think things have changed much. The stories that would get to me were horrendous: teachers being assaulted with box cutters and stuff like that. Uh, and that's uh, so. Those are both problems. Uh, what we've been told: uh, teacher pay is a problem. Uh, security in the schools is a problem. And uh, so that's th- those are things that, that have got to be discussed and addressed to go forward. We're in a situation where Ron, we're we're informed that MTSU which has traditionally been the biggest source of new teachers in this part of the world. MTSU graduated two new teachers last year. Last December, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean... Well, part of the problem, too, you know, no one wants to go to college, run up to 80000 of student loan debt for a $35,000 job. Yeah, pays right? too low. So there's got, there needs to be a little shortcut there somehow. I mean, I could teach math you know, with a, in the dirt with a stick. Not, not much change with math. I, I could probably teach it up to eighth or ninth grade even now. I don't know how many new skill sets you need to have to teach math and English. Not a lot's changed. So I think I think this notion that, and I think a lot of these teachers unions are these notions that you, you got to come through this gauntlet of what academia tells you to do. I think it's antiquated and, and, and well practical. about half of, about half of what you do as a teacher is your actual content. 
uh, content work. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in personnel management, uh, uh, classroom management, school psychology, student psychology, and, and working and working within those. Uh, you know, the, there's uh, some of the most brilliant people in the world are some of the most horrible teachers, and a lot of that's because they just don't know how to get it across. And yeah. uh, and so. You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said to be trained as a teacher, um, and you know, being being a, a, a brilliant person in, in whatever subject area, math, science, history, English, whatever, doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher. Yeah, Ron, you sound like Larry on. Anybody can be a teacher. Yeah, anybody can teach, but the problem is, what will students retain when you teach? And that's what Mike's talking about. You got methods and different objectives that you deal with in a classroom to help students retain what you're teaching. So what's it's changed not, in the last 50 so years easy. on that. So, so what's changed in the last 50 years is someone needs to go to a seminar uh, that they went to six months ago. Is it like cutting edge stuff happening every day on that? Or is there much change in English and math and algebra? What's changed there? There, there could be methods of reaching students that change. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's. I want to. I want while we got Ron here. I want to go on to something else. Over the weekend, uh, Paul Ryan, who you know ought to have scales on him, he's such a swamp creature, comes out and says that. Um, uh, of course, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want Trump to run. He wants Trump to go away. Doesn't oh, that's like, shocker. Doesn't like Trump. But the amazing thing that he says, though, <coughs> in spite of the midterm elections that we just had. Where you know the red wave uh, turned into the tide going out, uh, that uh, anybody can beat Trump. I mean, no, excuse me. Well, he says anybody can beat Joe Biden, is what Ryan said, because Joe Biden is so bad, anybody can beat him. Despite the red wave turning into a low tide at in the last midterms, and the same jokers ran that for the Republican Party who are allied and in sync with and think like Paul Ryan. There needs to be heads rolling. And I know my favorite swamp creature on K Street is listening right now, and I imagine he agreed with Paul Ryan. That is simply not true. First of all, you know, Pompeo, Nikki Haley, you know, Mike Pence. DeSantis. Well, now that's by my point, though. Oh, swamp creatures. Okay, I got you. The 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 swamp creatures, the swamp Republicans think anybody can beat Joe Biden, despite thinking they were going to have a red wave in this last election because yeah, of two Joe. years a long time away from now. You well, know, I think you lick the way. And one thing that you're, the inconvenient truth you're not hearing from the left wing media right now is the Republicans got like fifty two percent of the popular vote, first time in a long time, which is you know, that, that has not been told. Um, well, but Ron, um, my point is though that these. That they keep talking it, and uh, Beverly Strassel in this week's Wall Street Journal keeps talking about these. Beverly Strassel. Yeah, anybody can beat Joe Biden, and the the Republicans have got a big bench. They don't. They got one person on the bench who's a potential winner to the Republican base today, Ron DeSantis. That's it. He is the only viable alternative to Trump. And if you're a swamp creature and you have convinced yourself that anybody can beat Biden, you're just a fool. You might as well bring back George Bush and McCain. And uh, Yeah, right. Yeah. I Ugh. think two years is a long time, obviously. And also, I, I, I think Biden will not run. My gut says there'll be something. He's just losing it. I, I don't know how we can do this as a country. I mean, he looks terrible on these international stages. 
it's just embarrassing. It makes the country look weak and feeble and not, well, you know, he's an 80-year-old man, and God bless him. You know, he needs to be in a nursing home. We need to be hiding his keys right now. Uh, so he can't drive, and so I, it's just. So I think, but they got a huge PC problem because Kamala's sitting in the wings, and she's she's inept. Boy, she's been, they, she's been quiet, hasn't she? Ooh, but yeah. The but more she is, the more you like her. The more you see her, the less you like. But that's my point, Ron. Look at despite all that with Joe Biden going on, you know, the red wave was a red trickle at best, and uh, the the way Democrats get out their vote now. Their ground game is so good. Uh, the way they get out their voters now, they just they don't care what Biden does or doesn't do. Right? They don't care. He's a symbol. Yeah. 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 I tell you what, this budget deal getting ready to happen right before the Democrats leave. That's going to be some pigs at the trough. I'd watch this budget deal. This House getting ready to do before they leave. All these lobbyists are just chomping at the bit to champ at the bit to get on get on this budget deal right now because it's going to be a party favors for everybody. Yeah, but would you agree with me that Ron DeSantis is the only viable option to Trump? He's my man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I was a Florida resident for a while. I like the guy a lot. He's, you know, Yale, played baseball in college, military. I mean, he's a sharp guy. He has a lot of, almost all the Trump policies with a more palatable personality, beautiful wife, young kids, won a swing state handedly. Uh, you know, he seems like he's gotten past the abortion thing, which I think. Can I Nikki Haley before, went on he, the national stage? No. Can no, she can be vice president. I think uh, Christy Nome. I think you need a woman vice president on the Republican side to mitigate some of the angry women vote. Uh, so it could be a Nikki Haley, it could be a Christy Nome, it could be. But they are uh, presidential of, material. Yeah, I mean, at least they could fill in. I mean, Nome and, and Nikki Haley was an ambassador. She's she's accomplished. She's not a, you know, uh, brought up, you know, in some little, you know, PC manner to check a box. But she, neither, she's neither sharp. So I think they got to beat these. Joe Biden as a presidential candidate or going to beat any Democratic candidate as a presidential candidate. Don't write yeah. Trump off yet. All right, we're out of here. Thank you, Ron. See you guys. Have a great week, everybody. Keep a smile on your brother, everybody gets together.